We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are officially off and running. Training camp started uh, yesterday, as you are listening to this episode. Uh, the Knicks are down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, hearkening back to the days of yore. And uh, hopefully uh, it will bring some of uh, the same level of success um, that they experienced the last time they used to do training camp in South Carolina back in the 90s. Uh, that would be certainly a nice thing. Um, so for today, we're continuing along uh, this week where we're going to have, I mean, kind of a whole kickoff week full of content that I think you're going to very much enjoy uh, with Will Leach. Uh, so Will Leach, uh, if you're someone that um, has really paid attention to any sort of media over the last uh, 10, 15 years. You'll know who Will Leach is. Um, he, of course, was the founder of Deadspin. He ran Deadspin for a while. And now um, he has a number of different endeavors, uh, including occasionally writing for New York Magazine, which he's been doing for some time now. And his latest piece was on the New York Knicks. Um it's a great piece. Uh, I would strongly recommend uh, that if you have not yet checked out the piece, uh, pause your well if you're able to do so. If you're if you're driving, don't don't do this. But like if you can, um, pause the podcast, go check it out. It's a five minute read. It's a quick read. It basically explains why you know as a um, Nick fan who has been through the trials and tribulations. Uh, Will feels really good about this iteration of the team, and uh, he explains it really well and, and does it in the the sort of way that only he can. Uh, so definitely check out the piece. We obviously talk about it a little bit here, uh, as well as just generally the team and the league, and we get into some other stuff before we finish up. But it's always great to talk to Will. Um, he's a really uh, very, very passionate fan, very knowledgeable fan, extraordinarily knowledgeable fan. And uh, I was really felt very fortunate to be able to, to pick his brain a little bit on this episode. So um, I think that is 
it. I don't think there's any other announcements that I have to make. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Will Leach. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he's a returning guest, although I haven't I haven't talked to him in a little while. Uh, so I'm looking forward to catching up. Uh, someone who uh, is someone who I respect very deeply uh, for what he has accomplished in the world of, of media and, and more particularly writing and what he is still accomplishing. Um, just released is it's it's six. It is your sixth six, book, correct? Six books. My yeah, yeah. goodness, how one writes how one writes a book, let alone six books. I got um, the time, May, man. I'm an idiot. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. <laughs> the, the name of the book, I, I we're already talking. The, the the name of the book is "The Time Has Come," um, and uh, of course, you could read him elsewhere, including he writes for MLB. Um, he has a podcast about movies. Um, you may know him from a little website that was around once upon a time called Deadspin. Um, he also writes for New York Magazine occasionally, and he did so recently um, in which he penned an article about our beloved Knickerbockers. And he has a newsletter on Substack. How can I forget that? The one and only Will Leach. How are you, man? Hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. I was telling you before we came on. I'm uh, uh, my my editor Matt Myers at MLB and I are both obsessive Knicks fans, obsessed with the newsletter. Uh, we have we we have biweekly meetings, and the first half of every meeting is can we Macri said this? What the hell is he talking about? Okay, that was a good point. Like it's amazing how uh, what percent of our conversation is about the stuff that you write. So uh, so keep that in mind. It is a sacred and profound responsibility. So please keep that. Um, that's that sacred and profound responsibility is my form of therapy that <laughs> I have somehow spun into making a living. That so is, that is that is the goal. That's, that to me, people always say like, right, like you know what? Make your job the thing that you love to do. No, make yeah. your job your therapy. Like that yes. is actually the goal for everyone. So it's I'm, cheaper do a great, it than is, actual. It is, it is it is cheaper, and you uh, and you don't have to change what you do like every three or four months. <laughs> and it's because it's their fault, not yours. It's theirs. It's, I completely agree. Um, so um, I want to talk about the article. Obviously, I hope to touch on a couple other things, but I, I have to start off. I have a bone to pick with you, yeah. sir. Yeah, I. I I don't drink that much Kool-Aid anymore as I've gotten older and, and hardened and, you know, my, my sports fan soul is like a shriveled little, you know, I don't know, piece of stale fruit. Um, but occasionally I do allow myself to, to partake. And I was drinking the honest Kool-Aid a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then of course I read your article for, for New York magazine that uh, came out about a week ago. And, it, and you wrote this, and we're going to talk about it, beautiful piece about how the Knicks are in great state of affairs, the whole thing, and how, how and you end it by saying, and, and guess what? <laughs> Not that we need to trade for a star player, but if one should become available, they have the assets to do so. And then you ended <laughs> with a picture of a custom-made Giannis Antetokounmpo Knicks jersey. And yeah. what should happen? Was it 48 <laughs> hours yeah, later? Literally, like, not even. <laughs> not even 48 hours later, the Bucks trade for Dave Miller. It's like, oh! Well, so I all the I blame. Should, I should you. provide a little context for that because um, my son, uh, who is about to turn twelve years old, is actually a Bucks fan. Okay. I have never actually my my I don't know about how uh, a lot of people's parents are. I, my dad, I just root for the same teams that he cheered for, and so and so I and so to me, it's been kind of fun to like troll my son. <laughs> so that's actually for him. That's actually okay. for him. I've I send him now. He's got a phone. I send him all. I've been sending him all the Giannis and Knicks jersey photoshops for several months now. So I nice. thought it would be funny for him to come home with the kids version of Giannis show, and I thought it'd be a funny one to end the column on, and then. 
yes, 24 hours later. Listen, for the record, as you've written about yourself, I'm not sure the Lillard trade uh, takes that off the table. I think it's more that it maybe pushes it back back a year or two. Or who knows? Like, who knows what's all going to happen? But certainly, uh, I didn't imagine Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant would be playing together on the Suns right now. Or that Chris Paul would be on the Warriors. Like, weird things happen constantly. So uh, I, I still keep it up in the air. But uh, uh, to me, the premise of that, of doing the, uh, put, of ending the column with that jersey was the idea that, like, for all the smart things the Knicks have done, they are actually still in position, even though they are good now, they're still in yep. position to make something like that happen if it ever becomes available to happen, which I think is a pretty good spot to be in. I think it's a really good spot to be in. Um, and I, I, we'll, we'll zoom in and then, and then zoom out because the thing that you pointed out, and I think you were really eloquent in how you talked about it, is the fact that they have more depth than I think anybody in the league. You actually said they have more really, simply really, more really good players than almost any team in the NBA. It's a concept I found myself thinking of a lot this offseason because I, as you know, I think and overthink and over overthink everything. And I'm like, where can not just like a top four or a top five or even like a top six, if you look at the Nuggets, right? Or, or the Celtics now that they've traded for Drew Holiday. Where can a top nine get you where like that the back end of that like the the, the play like never is there going to be a minute where your team is on the floor where you are not having five really good basketball players again as you wrote on the court and it's like it really has challenged the the way that i think about the nba because i grew up with the same teams that you did and you mentioned like it's jordan and the bulls or akeem and the rockets or whatever it was and i feel like does this nick team do you think they really have a chance to like change how we think about how teams can win that are constructed this way? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if they'll change. I mean, th- those that Pistons team that Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace, uh, that's, like, the that's one. probably the best example of it, but it's really kind of the only example. And depending on what, where you put Dirk on the list of, of superstars, I think it's, you pretty much have to have one, right? And, and so, but the thing that I like about the Knicks is, Several, a couple of things. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but b- before this recent area, the Knicks have been consistently quite bad. And so uh, the you know I, I had missed that. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, check basketball reference. History. It's a whole is a whole history of stuff there. I'm not sure um, I believe you, but I'll try. Literally, my piece literally included a picture of Jerome James. Okay, so oh, we're all. I clicked on the link and I knew yeah. that was going to be the picture too. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I this yeah, I, he's going to get that picture. <laughs> but no, so like you know, I I think at a certain level. What I think that Leon Rose and the current uh, managers have figured out is that first, uh, you have to raise the floor. And I yeah. think that a lot of times we have this notion that like, oh, because you only need two superstars or however many you need, that you can just go from zero to that quickly. And I think, frankly, we've seen the problems with that in the last few years with a lot of teams. from the, uh, and it, Or sometimes you can think you're going from 35 to 75 and go from 35 to 25 like the Nets. I think the Nets would be a good example. I think it's forgotten now that, that that Nets team was not only good, but actually kind of likable before before Durant went over there. I found that team I would say that, so. team, that team was tough and interesting and the most we've ever anyone's ever liked Angela Russell. So you know I think that like there is there's value in that. But I think that people think because you only need two or three guys, you have this sense that you if you just get those guys, 
everything's fine. I think that's clearly what plagued the Knicks for years and years and years. Just get two or three of those guys and that'll be enough and we'll figure it out. And I think the smart thing was to understand that it is a matter of generating assets. It's compiling things, whether it's draft picks. Draft picks is one thing and I think that's you know, that's obviously a way to do it. I think what they've done is that's really smart is also, as I wrote the piece, have a bunch of very good players. Again, I don't know if you can win a championship with very good players. I think even that Pistons team needed a lot of things to fall exactly right for them to be able to do so. And Sheed, I know you know as well as I do, talent-wise, he was a top, I mean, you could say he was a top five NBA talent at his absolute peak, but at the very least, he had the talent to be the best guy on the floor pretty much any night he played. So, And then when you throw in Billups, like they're they're their floor was so high to refer back to the term you just said that like they're almost like the exception to the exception that people want to make them out to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, and and so the idea of the Knicks doing that, getting just a bunch of really good players. And it's really funny. The idea that like, there's a lot of teams, like think about these teams that like, look at the Celtics, the Celtics could like really use a Jericho Sims right now. They would love to have a guy like that, that they got to shoot up their, their sort of rotation. The Knicks are trying to find minutes for and I think yeah. that's not a bad place to be. That puts you in a position of strength that I would argue, as I do argue in the piece, having that high floor, which the Knicks clearly needed because we needed something. They, at a certain level, there was an understanding, and you've written about this as well, the notion that like, okay, before we start worrying about championships, let's just maybe win some games. It's okay to win games. And in a world of like tanking and the idea of like bottoming out, the notion of the like, you know what, let's just be better this year than we were last year and then be better the next year than they we were the year before. It's actually kind of against not just really common NBA thinking, really common sports thinking. I'm actually a fan of the uh, the Arizona Cardinals in football. Don't ask me. Oh, don't okay. want to know. And no, I, I yeah, I grew up near St. Louis and I still stuck with them when they left. And they're terrible. But like they when they when they brought in, they made all these changes for the year, and everyone was just like, wow, that's they're doing the smart thing. They're full on tanking. They're just bottoming out to help them that, that year. But for what it's worth, you watch them this year, they're actually a little bit better. They're not a playoff team, but they're a little bit better, and there's a little proof of concept. And I think proof of concept goes a long way way in sports. And I think because so we, you know, I, I, uh, there was a piece a few years ago, uh, written about the notion of like, kids don't grow up now wanting to be players. They want to be GMs. <laughs> they want to be cap managers. And I think at a certain level, because that's become such a high profile position, we get obsessed with being clever and what tricks are they pulling and how do I, yeah. how do I obtain the assets and the idea that Daryl Morey and Sam Hinkie are these, are these household names when like, that I don't, funny. how many, how many GMs could you name growing up? Jerry Krause because Jordan hated him. And other than that, like how many GMs did we think of as like a thing? But now it's a big thing. And because of that, why I kind of love that the Knicks have zigged where a lot of other people zag. We're going to just try to win games. We're going to try to win games and we're trying to get better. And while we're doing that, we're not going to make stupid mistakes to act like we have a chance to win the championship right now. Because of that, they've been able to run, I would argue, on these parallel tracks where you've been able to go be a little bit better, be a little bit better, occasionally catch a really big break like they did uh, with Jalen Brunson. Like, that's a huge break that like well, that was a smart move, but then they got a guy that had no, a higher ceiling than they realized. It was a, had, listen, yeah. it was a break. It was a break. We it can was, admit that it was yeah, a break, yeah. right? Like I in there and you know how I know that? Because I don't think I'm not sure they would have structured his contract the way they did because it's a descending contract. It's going to make it maybe a little trickier to resign him, not to get into CBA minutiae, yeah. but like if they really thought that he was going to be super duper star and that like I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The what I want to 
go back to is so you you've mentioned proof of concept and then you also mentioned how they've kind of tried to toe the line and and z- you know zag when everybody else is zigging or whichever the way that analogy goes it's funny the second part is funny to me because their approach i think amongst a lot of diehard fans has engendered a fair bit of criticism because i think a lot of fans, maybe because they, we, they have been so accustomed to this is how you do things in the NBA. And if you do anything other than this, you are doing it the wrong way and you're wasting everybody's time um, or have been critical of the approach where it's just like, hey, guys, let's build something here that is just, you know, put off what needs to be put off later and we'll just be good, as you said. So I find that interesting. The, the the proof of concept, I really think is fascinating because we could look, you mentioned the Brooklyn team, could also look back at the Clippers from that same summer. They had a great year the previous year. And then what's been the common thread maybe with both of those situations? They kind of gave themselves over in different ways with the Clippers. It's more of the take any days off that you want, but gave themselves over to the whims of their stars. And now we see where that got broken and where it seems to be you know heading towards with the Clippers. What I think we all have to hope is that if and when the Knicks do make their big trade, which I think they're going to at least try to make, it seems like you are share that opinion, that they retain whatever it is that like has made them then and has like gotten you to a place that inspired you to write this column. Because I don't think you write this column just because they're like crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You see something in this team, just like we all see something in this team. There is something about what they are doing that is different, that is special. And I think that's worth noting. It's fun. And like this, a lot of this, frankly, I think does come down to Brunson. I think there was a lot of frustration heading into last year. I, the, yeah. the notion that I'm looking at Randall and being like, cool. All right. All right. Let's, I'm excited to have Randall this year. Yeah. And frankly, not something that I think a lot of people were thinking heading into <laughs> last year, even, uh, to say that, to say the least. And, and even we're even a little bit after the playoff difficulties against Atlanta. So, you know, I, I, I yes. think that, um, what you've seen though is, that sort of culture, whether it's Tibbs culture, whether it's Brunson culture, whether it's the culture that Leon Rose has put in there, it is a thing and everybody knows it. Like it's a thing yep. around the league now. It's not something that's going to get blown up in a year. It's not something that, that like they are looking for people. Listen, the, the, I think the, the Clippers are really a perfect example in this sort of thing is like yep. that. And listen, if Kawhi wants to come to the Knicks, I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, but sir, but I understand it, right? Like you get yep. the idea, the notion of, and you know, I, you talked about player empowerment. I think that's a really key way to look about this because I think we can yep. all agree player empowerment is a long overdue, a positive thing. Generally speaking, absolutely, the, athlete, the athletes are the ones who actually make all the money and actually put their, their bodies on the line, and they're actually like nobody. I don't care about the owners. Never minding the Knicks owner, like owners, I don't care yeah. about. We, I don't understand why people cheer for owners or cheer for GMs. The players are why it's we're very there. strange. That's what we're doing. Player empowerment is a good thing, but I do think, as you're clearly seeing with the Harden situation, uh, there's a, there's a point where player emp- empowerment can almost uh, not rot, but like there's a fine line between player empowerment and here's a guy that's just never going to be satisfied and blow up a bunch of stuff for a lot of people which I think is what we've seen pretty consistently from Harden throughout that time. There is a yeah. Knicks time where they'd have been like, I know, but man, look at him. Look, we got to do it. <laughs> and like, and and I think the fact that they don't do that, and in fact, the only teams that are really looking at Harden are doing so out of a level of desperation or doing Absolutely. so out of 100%. a matter of hopefully the point, the, the cost gets so low that maybe it's, 
we feel like we have to, I think speaks to the ultimate kind of limits of player empowerment. Player empowerment works as long as you deliver and are still de- are still part of this whole thing. And I think that you're seeing the limitation with Harden. We've seen the limitation with other players. I think that's the thing. I don't think, and for what it's worth, I think you can have player empowerment. Forgive me, but the Knicks, I don't get a sense that the Knicks players don't feel empowered. I don't get. I don't get a sense that they feel that I, like yeah. th- that. Like we've given up parts of ourselves for this larger concept. Like they're like they're, they're pounding the floor at Duke or something. I mean, I think that there's a sense. Like I don't think that the people, the players, have gotten what they wanted. I don't think there's a lot. There's occasional frustration. Bear in mind, want this. And, uh, I uh, fine. Uh, 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 nothing against our Frenchy shooter. He's not happy, but no one else, uh, but generally speaking. But he's uh, a, we know why that is. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I yeah. don't really blame him for that or Tim. No, I don't blame him uh, either. Yeah. And so but the point is that like, that I think that there is a way to encourage player empowerment and benefit from player empowerment without just giving away the store across the board. And I think the Knicks are, I would argue so far, are running that line pretty well. And I think we'll benefit them if and when or if uh, the star does uh, well, eventually come across. So, yeah, but beside putting aside that mystery player X for the moment, you also talk about in the piece how the Knicks already do have a star. And as you're just talking about player empowerment, I can't help but think about, well, is it a coincidence that over the last 20 years, the the teams that have won the most are the guys with Tim Duncan or the teams with Tim Duncan and Steph Curry? And yes, throw LeBron James in there, too. And LeBron James hasn't always been the, uh, I'll say, good soldier that maybe, you know, Steph and Tim at least appear to be from my vantage point looking outside, looking in, in terms of like, my God, if you could build your franchise around anybody, like, who could you imagine better than Steph Curry and Tim Duncan? LeBron, I think the talent was just so overwhelming that at times he, he won. But there were times where you looked at the way he used his empowerment to, you know, to maybe force his teams or, or put his teams in a certain position. I, I, I don't, you know, was that always effective? So then you look at a guy like Jalen Brunson. Is he as talented as Steph Curry or Tim Duncan? No, he's not as talented as those guys. But he's like, man, I haven't. I'm like giddy thinking about getting to watch this guy this year. I haven't felt this way about a player. I feel like since I was a teenager, it's wild. And that, I don't know what that says about him. I think it has to do with his whole, like it's an underdog story and the whole thing and just his attitude. I love this guy. I, I, I thought you, you, you hit the nail on the head with him. Yeah, listen, I, and for the record, I would defend, before we get into, into our uh, Brunson love fest, which I'm eager to be a part of, I would defend LeBron a little. I guarantee you all three of those T- teams that he's played for have been, have, all three of those teams he's played for, whether he left or not, they're happy that he, they, they, that's oh, better off for yeah. having LeBron. 100%. So yes. I, sure. I, I'm sure Cleveland would have loved to have him play for them the entire time, but also look where Cleveland was when he left. You take a step back from it and they had all sorts of issues. They're actually not entirely dissimilar from where Milwaukee was before the Lillard trade, right? Like, Absolutely. I think if you actually could do that comparison, the difference was the Bucks went out to say, okay, what do you want and what can we get you? And the Cavs didn't do that. And I'm not, maybe that would have made a difference or maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. But I think it's unfair to look at LeBron and say, he's just only out for himself, doesn't care about a larger thing. Oh, I know that's no. what you're saying. I know that's not what you're saying. But he I, wants I, to win. Yeah. I think is, I, I actually think the biggest thing. Uh, that I've changed in my own mind as an NBA fan over the years is I used to not, I used to project my own assumptions because of LeBron's personality onto what he cared about and what he didn't care about. And now over the last few years, the more I pay attention, the more I just listen to him and, and 
read the stuff he says. I think he actually cares about winning as much as anybody since Jordan. Because like you don't put in the time and the work. I, I I do think there was a little bit of Phil Jackson going on with some of the ways that he would try to, you know, oh, yeah. be the puppeteer. Yeah. Um, which again, Poorly, to, by the way, they had like then the reason yeah. Lakers are good now is they had to fix all the stuff that LeBron did a year ago with Westbrook and everything. So I, I don't well, disagree. But that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. Brunson love. So, Brunson love, yes. Uh and and for <laughs> me that and I think part listen, I love Brunson too. I also think part of the Brunson love, in addition to who he is, is there is something about his game that I think can't help but make Knicks fans feel nostalgic too for yes. really the most fun era of the Knicks time in uh era in our lifetimes anyway. In my, is, our lifetime. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that you know, I, I know I wasn't around uh, for the '70s team, so I can't speak to that. But uh, certainly, I mean, when you think of the Knicks, that's the one that everybody loves the most. And Brunson plays like that, and as plays like that as much as you can in today's game, which I think is actually one of the things that's most so fun about Brunson is he actually in a, in an age where a lot of that old school stuff has, I mean, frankly, the NBA's tried to get rid of a lot of it and that kind of like slow it down. And that, yes. and like, he still is able to integrate that into the game. You don't, it's not like his, his peripheral numbers are bad, right? Like, it's not like the, the smart that you, you, the, you look at the second spectrum and all of a sudden all of his, no, he looks bad. Yeah, like yeah. He, he plays it like he, it shows up. It shows Everything up bears out. Yeah. But like, he doesn't play like an inefficient nineties, uh, ISO ball star. He plays within the run of the game, no. but that toughness uh, is something that I think is, it's it's irresistible. And it's funny because you know, I wrote a piece a long time ago about what uh, I interviewed Spike Lee and Spike Lee told me the latest mm-hmm. he had ever seen the garden was during Linsanity. He said he'd been mm-hmm. there throughout, even throughout the 90s, the loudest he'd ever heard was Linsanity. And I asked him why he thought that was. And he told me it's because he's, because he feels homegrown. He wasn't, so, and even though Brunson was, to, what they did sign Brunson, there's something about a guy who had these expectations and then raised his game in front of the New York fans in a sensibility that feels close to the, the fan zone. The insanity thing was like, Carmelo was great. Carmelo was better than Jeremy Lin. <laughs> like Carmelo was, was clearly- To be clear, Kevin, yes. But like, to be as clear as possible. But Carmelo felt like, a, yeah, this is what the Knicks do. They bring in the guy from outside and this one, you know, it's actually paid off and not maybe as much as we ultimately wanted him to, but clearly there were a lot worse investments than, uh, than, than Carmelo Anthony. But it wasn't yes. as exciting because you're like, like Carmelo was a, okay, you're here, pal. Let's see if you're worth all this stuff that we, that, that, that we, that was gave exactly up the attitude. And, we all had and, it. And I, and I think that is a hard, you, you, in that case, you have to win a title because that, because that so much is brought in. Uh, Jeremy Lin was someone like, wait, this guy came out of nowhere. And he's ours. And then mm. there and like, and almost we appreciated him better than other people. I think Brunson benefits from that as well. Even though he did come from Dallas, the idea was Dallas didn't seem to, they didn't want to keep him. They didn't want to make the offer they wanted to. The Knicks, he's, he, he felt like part of the family immediately. And then he has exceeded expectations since he got there. That's something you don't get a lot with the Knicks. The Knicks have so much hype that comes in and so much discussion and so much, you better be the guy. You better be the guy for Brunson to come in with reasonable to medium expectations and become the player he has, I think it's something Knicks fans don't get a lot. It makes it that much more exciting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You just said a word, and I'm not sure if you meant to say it or not, but I'm going to go back to it. Part of the family. Yeah. And like we're sitting here and we're talking about all the stuff that the Knicks have built. And we'd be remiss not to at least mention the guy behind, he was behind the scenes of the NBA for 20 years, and now he's behind the scenes of the Knicks, World Wide West where there's been reporting that, you know, documents that he sees this as a, a big family. And that's how he that's how he has always intended to construct a basketball team. And like, again, going back to the player empowerment stuff, if like players really do feel like, you know, the Leon Rose and Worldwide West and, and, and you know, Tom Thibodeau, they're not, well, Tibbs is everybody's boss, but he's and again, in his own category because he's Tibbs. But like, you know, like the guys that signing that is signing my checks, uh, they're not they're not my boss. Like where we are, there is real like shared, um, you know, intentionality here behind what we're doing. And we're kind of all in this together, which is like, I don't know. Is that, is that really happening? I don't know. Does it happen around the NBA? I don't know, but it does seem like they have something going here where again, like you said, Brunson now is here and part of the family. It's going to, to me, I'm interested to see if they can keep that going going because what do families do families fight sometimes and like i you know they've they've kept it afloat though so far i'm hopeful i'm being naively optimistic what can i say i mean it's i'll put it this way it's impossible to imagine like we just saw this with uh lillard uh lillard's agent with uh uh, what's his name from portland the idea goodwin and uh, the gm joe cronin yeah cronin yes where basically he's he he, he's and listen we can argue whether or not who's right or who's wrong i think that's uh, zach lowe just had a good discussion on this podcast about this and we can have that argument but clearly it's adversarial uh we can talk about we can talk about harden all we want but like you know, um, it's impossible to imagine a player going to China or anywhere really and saying, I will never play for Leon Rose because that guy's a liar. It's just, imp- it's impossible to imagine that. And that's not that's nothing, point. particularly in an age where players and like there are stat, like fair or, fair or not, there's a perception that there are players and there are like the stat guys or the Harvard guy. We see this in baseball as well. The, the guys that actually run everything are not baseball guys, are not basketball guys, are not part of the family. And I think that you, yep. I think Maury, who I think is smart, has made some good decisions. And I don't, Absolutely. and I don't, taking James Harden signed on anything is not something I feel particularly <laughs> comfortable with. But, but you can see how Harden would be like, 
like this, who is this guy? Who is this guy? This guy's got nothing yeah. to do with what I do in the court. This guy's got nothing to do with my life. And now he's trying to dictate my decisions to me. The Knicks don't have that situation. You're right. If it comes down, it's easy for me to say that now, but if like, Embiid comes up and RJ Barrett, you know, member of the family, RJ Barrett, uh, could become yeah. someone that I need to trade for it. Bye, RJ. <laughs> like at a certain level, I think that inevitably those decisions have to be made, but I think you want to make them from this position. The idea where yes. there's good faith and there's good understanding. No one is pressuring themselves, someone to get out. No one, uh, I think everyone's pretty straightforward about things and it does feel like that. But it really comes down to that ultimate question that you've talked about and we've talked about in this. They have made the bet. Eventually, a star is going to break loose. Eventually, there's going to be one. Eventually, there's going to be one. And for what it's worth, the NBA has put together a whole bunch of provisions to make that as difficult as possible. (laughs) It's not as easy as it was before. It's not as simple as it was before. We've already been waiting a few years for it. I think they might be. At the time, I wanted Mitchell. And then when they didn't get him, I have to say, I had enough faith. I was like, I, I bet, I, okay, I trust him. We'll see how this goes. And ultimately, I mean, beating the Cavs in the first round of the series with Mitchell is not a terrible it, way to kind of vindicate that. You feel wasn't. smart about that, keeping that powder dry. The question is, if in, I think you wrote about this today too, the idea you have like a year, right? Like basically by next well, off season, maybe a year. Not and a half. hard, yeah. it's, a, it's a deadline that's in like, it's in pencil, but it's it's thickly yeah. drawn pencil you know right. given yeah, the I mean, way it's the not Giannis, is. Yeah. it's in b if it's not in b it's luca like you just you, you keep it you think eventually that person's gonna come up but yeah. for what it's worth let's just say he, they never do let's just say they never do and the knicks have been building up all this time to get a star that never shakes loose and it never happens you know what I will still take what's happened over the last few years and what I think oh, is going to happen this year and next year over then take, take, get a higher draft pick, take. Hopefully one of the, we're going to talk to these guys and, oh, I hear Leon's making the pitch. Like I still remember writing <laughs> for New York Magazine, the stories of, uh, of Donnie Walsh showing up in the, in the, in, in the wheelchair. And, the neck uh, brace? Was, the neck, was that yeah, him in the neck brace? Or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, it was some malady. I don't Yeah. To get, Le, to get LeBron and, and all the ugliness and all the weirdness and all the, the desperation that came with that and all the things you had to talk yourself into. I will talk, I think I regularly talk myself into happy things involving with the Knicks, but it's more fun to talk yourself into happy things happen with the Knicks when you are watching a good, likable team play basketball. Does it mean I would love to have Embiid? I'd love to have Luca. I'd love to have Giannis. Of course, I would. who would not want to have those players? And I think the Knicks have positioned themselves well to give themselves an opportunity. But also while that's happening, they have a good team that's fun to watch. And that, to me, was the point of the column, is the idea that you actually have both rails working at the same time in a way that's incredibly difficult to find. And and my biggest challenge for this season will be, I don't know, is this an existential crisis? But like being able to always live in the moment and God willing, they're a good team and God willing, they, you know, win something close to 50 games. And and it, it is what we think it is going to be, you know, and not be worrying about, Oh, did Philadelphia win or lose tonight? Like, you know, like what's, what's, what's going on over there? Something like that. That's my challenge because like you said, um, this team has been bad at times, many times over the last 20 years. And like, I've said this a lot last year and over maybe even three years ago, the first Tibbs year, like, I think Knicks fans do deserve this after everything that we've been through. So, like, I, I completely agree with you. It's very well said. It's something that I need to hear. Maybe some other people need to hear it as well. Like, let's enjoy the team that we have. Um, 
I want to hit on a couple of the things with you because I, I have you and I'm just, I, I want to pick your brain about this stuff. Uh, so it's funny you opened the lead to the column was about how the NBA has become the and it not has become 10 years ago. It started to become and it is now like fully in the thick of becoming a sport where the the interest is driven by the offseason and by the trade rumors and all these sorts of things. Um, whereas, you know, the, 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 the basketball the stuff we're supposed to care about has, has actually become secondary. And I was thinking about the fact that like, obviously you're, a, you might be the most passionate baseball fan. I know you, you are, you are up there. Like when I read you in your newsletter and you write about, you know, your, your beloved, your beloved Cardinals, um, it, it hits a, it hits a spot deep down. And I'm thinking about what's happened to these two sports, the NBA and, and major league baseball and have, and I, I just kind of wanted to ask you a very open-ended question. Like, do you think the, off-season stuff with the NBA, like all the, all the stuff that, you know, you're talking about, it drives interest. Do you think that's why the NBA is kind of where it is and, and Major League Baseball is kind of, I, I don't want to say anything too harsh because like there are still huge baseball fans, but I feel like the sport has changed the place. Like where, where do you think that that comes from? Uh, well, you know, I do, I would uh, caution against the notion that uh, like baseball's had a really good year. That was my next New York Magazine column after this one was about how baseball has actually had a pretty terrific year. And I would argue that, that baseball, while uh, I would say the major difference between the sports, because if you look at the TV ratings, they're not that different. <laughs> like, yes, like, they're true. really that's not very that true. different. And I think a lot of it becomes from, frankly, juice. Like at a certain level, like the NBA feels like, like the NBA feels more active and more relevant and more young than baseball yeah. is. And the demographics clearly show that. But I would argue yeah. in a macro sense that like numbers wise, and for the record, like as people in Latin America, they're watching more baseball than they, than they're, than they're watching the NBA. Also true. So, you know, I think that like I, in a macro sense, I, I don't know if it's, is as at the, like the, the NFL's eaten both of our lunches. I don't think there's any. Well, that goes without saying. That. But yeah. like, but I think that like at a certain level, I think the disparity is not as vast as people think. But I do think that that the the intrigue becomes listen, the NBA is so fun to speculate about. And That's I think it. that yes. is the difference. Is baseball is fun. Like these both both these sports are fun to watch and fun to follow and fun Absolutely. to be a part of. But uh baseball at a certain level settles into its groove. At a certain point, baseball season is a long season. There's 162 yep. games. There's a there's a brief free agent frenzy. For, uh, and I, there, there have been talk that people have. Uh, it's funny. What people often talk about the most fun baseball post uh, off season ever was after the after the 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 lockout got settled because oh, all of a sudden okay. there was a frenzy of moves for like three weeks, like in the NBA. It was like yeah. a fun thing for like a week and a half. Everything just went nuts, and that was really enjoyable. Even the baseball off season usually spreads out a little bit. Frankly. Kind of like this NBA offseason, where it's, it felt like we were going to get all, and then it just yeah. lingered and lingered and lingered and lingered. And so I think that, like, the NBA, because there are fewer players, I think that has a big thing to do with it. Yeah, inevitably, personalities are going to be a bigger deal in the NBA than they are in baseball or even really in the NFL, because at the fundamental level, uh, there are fewer players. There are fewer yep. players who matter, like, there yep. are fewer players who make huge differences. And frankly, they're not. You know, they are, I mean, frankly, they're running around in their pajamas for us. Like we can see them so clearly, right? Like their, yes. their personalities show in a way, like in baseball, they're wearing hats and football, they're wearing helmets and hockey. They're wearing like they, they're, they're, they're body armor. Like, yeah. Like seriously, they're, they're all in Kevlar at, at a certain point. 
But like it, the, to me, one of the reasons the NBA is so appealing is the idea of those personalities and of the, those. Like I joke about James Harden, but good lord, like I love baseball. I know baseball so well. I know so much about James Harden's personality, much right? more than I'd even really care to know. But you can't help it because when you follow the sport, he becomes a compelling figure. What's he going to do now? You can make fun of him a little bit for uh, you make fun of him a little bit for decisions that he's made for uh, how he a good agent would have made a big difference. Uh, for him, in a you lot think? Of but like all this stuff, I know. I don't know who the hell Mike Trout's agent is. I have no idea who Mike Trout's agent is. He's been signed for twelve years. I just have to watch him play baseball, and I think that like that is a difference. I, I don't know if it leads to. Uh, I don't think it hurts the game. So there's an argument that some people have made that like the off the all the off court stuff and all that intrigue somehow makes the game less interesting. I think if you love the game, you love the game. You love the game, I, yeah. And I don't think there's any danger of that. I, I think that while the off court stuff is different than the game, I don't know if it necessarily distracts from the game. But I do think that. The reason the NBA feels like it has more juice, and one of the main reasons for it, I think there's clear demographic reasons as well. But I think uh, uh, one of the main reasons that the NBA has juice is the NBA is just really fun to talk about. It's fun to listen to your podcast or to listen to Zach. Like Zach Lowe's podcast, it's remarkable. Like the enthusiasm that Zach has for like the eighth guy on the <laughs> magic is incredible. But it's genuine. And it's, it's incredible. Exactly. And yeah. you can obsess over it in that way. Baseball, you can do it, but it's quirkier. It's And you can't follow everything all the time because a bunch of the games don't matter. <laughs> a bunch of the games don't make a difference. You watch a baseball game to settle in and have a conversation with your friend. You watch an NBA game to watch stuff happen. And I think that I think because of that, there's a natural obsession over these players uh, in a way that you don't necessarily in baseball and really even in the NFL. I, I, that was great to listen to it. Just it's going to make me think even more because, like you know, it, it almost strikes me that it's not anything that the NBA has done. Like you know, whether it was David Stern or now Adam Silver to like make. I mean, they've made decisions here or there that I'm sure have helped. But like this is, you know, as the world has gone more online and as attention spans have gone down and as just more people want to you know take place in the you know take part in the conversation. I do think the fact that, like you just said it, you could talk, anybody could talk about the NBA, right? You don't have to, like, whereas baseball is. You don't even know anything about basketball. No, you don't. (laughs) No, but like baseball, it's funny because, like, I was was a big baseball fan for most of my life. And just doing this now, the last few years, I just, as I don't have to tell you, I don't have the hours in the day anymore. So I've kind of fallen out of it. And like, you know, Andrew, who's producing this podcast, and like some of my buddies that were on a, a a text chain together, they're still into baseball and they'll, talk about it in our text, you know, thread sometimes. And I'll like, I will feel, I can't even chime in, you know? And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that says something about me. I don't know, but the NBA does really feel like something very unique and that it's, you, easier, like it's you also said. easier to keep track of, to be entirely honest. It is the easier NBA to keep track of. It is easier to keep track of. I would but, argue it's easier to keep track of. Like I got to tell you, the, the, you talk about the baseball that way. I've kind of gotten that way with the NFL. I can't keep track of the NFL. Like there's, there's just so it's many, hard. It's Same really thing. hard. To, like I and and to be fair, that's actually kind of helped my NFL fandom because now I'm just like, hey, is there a game on? Let's watch a game. And I'm not doing what I'm doing with the NBA and or with baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yep, there's a game on. I know to cheer against Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, uh, but uh, but <laughs> other but other than that, and I and I know and I and, and Patrick Mahomes seems like a, pr- a pretty nice guy. And he does uh, seem but, like a nice guy. Yeah. But, but like but like other than other than and, and I hear Taylor Swift has somehow gotten involved with this. 
but like, she has gotten level, involved. Even I know that. I'm very uh, proud but, of myself. But at a certain level, like the NFL, I, I like the NFL is a game that now I think is for casual fans. That's how it's gotten so big. There's no way the world could be walking around obsessed with the NFL the 100%. way that people obsessed about NBA or, or, or baseball or not that many people would watch the NFL. The NFL is a casual sport and that's fine. I'm a casual NFL fan. It doesn't decrease my enjoyment of it. I would argue one thing I think would help you is to don't worry about being able to be involved in every single Mets conversation or every single okay. thing. Just at a certain level, just know the big storylines. It's fine. I would argue okay. that's, a gr- that's a great thing for baseball. I think something that baseball needs to work on a little little bit is baseball's not just for people who understand everything about it in the same way that the NBA isn't for, 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 it doesn't have to be for everyone that understands everything about it. Baseball, like all sports, like as I get older, I, when I was like 23 years old, I knew every player on every team in all the sports and I I was obsessed over all, I was in every fantasy league. As I've gotten older, you get kids, you give, you, you can't help a compartment, you end up writing all these books, you end up having to compartmentalize, compartmentalize your time. At a certain level, you obsess over what you obsess over, but the sport will still be there for you uh, either way. And I think if you ever want to work your way back to baseball, don't worry about – you do not have to care about baseball the way that you care about the Knicks. My God, you blow a gasket. But, uh, Listen, but there are not enough hours. <laughs> but, you can, but you can be a casual observer of it and find just as – I think I will at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it may, it, hopefully the, the Mets will be uh, a little bit better next year because that oh, is – Oh, the our, Mets? Oh, never mind. Do nothing with it. <laughs> Say the hell away. Say it yourself. Wa- my wife would divorce me if I ever really a baseball team. <laughs> now, you know, it, 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 wise words. Um, you, the last thing I'll say, because you just brought it up, is like the, the notion of being a casual fan versus a diehard fan. That is something I think about a lot because every day I sit down to write this newsletter and I, I do periodically catch myself like, who am I writing? Like, not who am I writing this for? I know who I'm writing for, but like, will this be accessible? You know, equally accessible, well, at least somewhat equally accessible yeah. to, to, you know, someone, whether they are, well, I pay you every month. Be- I, I pay you every month. And you're, I like at a certain level. I, or every year or however long I do, I don't know what plan I'm on, but I'm paying, giving you money. And <laughs> thank you certain, both. <laughs> at a certain level, I like, I, I want, I'm there. Cause I'm obsessed with the Knicks. Like that's why I'm there. As like you. And I feel like this is a problem that's happened with media the last few years. I think the Taylor Swift thing is actually a really good example of this. The Deion Sanders oh, thing is also a good example of this. There's this idea that like, wait, we need the widest possible audience. Let's go after no. people who are not paying any attention at all. The old, we used to call this drive-by, uh, drive-by traffic back in the old Deadspin days. The idea that like I could write Britney Spears pantsless in every headline and have the most successful site on the internet, but like people would be like, this site it's gonna sucks. Be t- tomorrow's newsletter headline. Yeah. By the way. And like no one would want it, right? And so I think at a certain level, I think what I like, what I've grown to really appreciate about sports is, is, is that you can obsess as much you want about it, or you can not obsess over, but like make it what you want. I feel, I look at like, I love the athletic. I love the work they're doing over there. I think as they've gotten rid of some beat reporters, I think they've made a switch into Deion Sanders, Taylor Swift land. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is awesome. Nothing wrong with Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is awesome. But like, if you're a sports fan, you do want to know about the stuff that actually matters in sports uh, in addition to those stuff. And I think increasingly the hardcore fan in the name of traffic and larger things is why what you do is so important. Because at a certain level, a lot of these reporters are all getting people going traffic numbers, traffic numbers, traffic. They got editors pushing traffic on them all the time. You can actually write obsessive stuff for Nick, obsessive Knicks fan well, and be making them very happy. The challenge of um, uh, compartmentalization versus shit. I have to make a living. Uh, I, yeah. it's good. I, I, I could, I am, I'm very interested in this whole thing. And, and I, I, 
we should we'll have a conversation every few years and check in on like where are we yeah. at now like what, what's coming next because i for one just like i i, I try not to obsess over it but it, it's hard because the only you know, thing i worry about as long as people like sports as long as people like sports we're going to be fine as oh as, yeah as long Absolutely. as people like sports we're all gonna just keep yeah. people will keep making sports stuff so as long as that happens i think we'll be okay that is important uh well it's you are uh, god you are you are a a legend um a, a living legend uh with all that you have done and accomplished and all that you continue to do i mean i from truly there are days where i'm like man this this is really hard what i'm trying to trying to go about my business here and, and make this thing happen and i look at what you have done over the years and uh knowing that you're a nick fan helps but just like i get your get your newsletter and read that every week it's just uh so thank you on behalf of any other thank you. you know content creator or media person who um you know is looking for inspiration occasionally but yeah man it's just it's an honor and a pleasure to talk to you uh, thank you keep up the great work man and of course go next all right hope you enjoyed the episode well he's great great guy um really really kind of him to to give some of his time to uh yeah talk about talk about this basketball team um I guess another reminder, in case you missed the last episode, we will be having our first watch party of the year on Friday, November 3rd. It is the uh, Knicks game against the Bucks. That will be at Penn 6 in New York City. And uh, there will be tickets of, of some kind that will be going on sale in the near future. And we will be sharing more information on that shortly. Um, I think that's it. Got another episode coming tomorrow and then another episode coming on Friday. And then uh pretty sure me and Jeremy are going to be back. It feels like I've been recording with Jeremy forever, even though I, I know it hasn't been that long. But uh me and Jeremy will be back with our usual regular spot. Uh I, I think probably coming at you on Monday. But definitely um Monday, first preseason game, uh, and we will be we will be live after that game to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm not sure who's going to be playing for Boston. I don't know who's going to be playing for the Knicks, but listen, Knicks basketball is less than a week away. Um, so that's pretty cool. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, as usual, if you dig the show, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Of course, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, we will be back with more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. Peace out.